Pretty good? So good. Grab your Bibles. We're going to open God's Word, spend some time together. You're going to need a Bible this morning. So our ushers are here in the aisles. If you just want to wave them down, uh, flag them down as they walk by your road, be happy to share God's Word. Turn to 2 Chronicles with me. We're going to wrap up. We're wrapping up our reset series, but I'm really hoping with all my heart it's not coming to an end. This is just the start, right? Just the start of a reset, much needed reset that starts with the relationship. The R is all about relationship and then to evaluate as we humble ourselves, as we pray, as we seek his face, as we submit. That's the S in reset, to submit, to surrender, and then to execute, to turn from our wicked ways, to execute some things so we can execute some things, to see some things that God's wanting to accomplish in and through our lives that won't be accomplished unless we execute, and then ultimately to believe Him for a great transformation, to transform our world. We're going to look at that together today. Really a couple of places I'd like you to find that, Second Chronicles. And, uh, and mainly the verse, we're going to read the verse together here in a moment uh, and just proclaim it together. Listen, um, we are studying right now, I think, the most famous verse on faith. Glad you're here for it. That's this verse. That's this verse right here. I think it is one of absolutely the most essential, most famous verses on faith, on intercession. That's us, you and I believing in what Jesus Christ can accomplish, not what the Democrats can accomplish. This isn't a red-blue thing. This is a Jesus thing. We're interceding for, for what he can do because he's the answer. Come on, 11 o'clock, give me an amen. Amen. This is a famous, famous verse on faith, on intercession, on forgiveness, and on healing. And... Um, and a lot of it really gets missed out. Here's why. Because we'll find a verse that we love and we'll tag it and we'll put it on our social media sites and we'll send it out to all of our friends and family and followers. But we'll miss the overall context of what the Bible is saying through this one little verse. We'll just kind of see the one little verse and miss out on all of the buildup that makes it so incredibly amazing, this famous verse on faith and forgiveness and, 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 and healing. And I do, I do. I have, I have somewhat of a vague recollection of the 60s. And I have a little bit more of a recollection of the 70s. Now, some of you weren't even born in the 60s or in the 70s. Let me say this. I have somewhat of a recollection of 9-11. I got a recollection of some things we've been through together as a nation, as a country. Never. Never has it been more critical for us to claim and believe this verse than right now. Would you read it with me? Come on, let's read it out loud. Let's read it together. Ready? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear... From heaven, I will forgive their sin. I will heal their land. We needed that in the 60s and the 70s and the 90s. We needed it in 2008. That was a rough year. 
Never have we needed it more than now. And within that promise, within this famous verse of intercessory forgiveness and faith and healing, within this verse, note takers, jot this down. Grab this, grab this thought with me. There are four aspects I want to shine a light on where we're resetting our lives in a transformative way is concerned. There's four, just four real quick, okay? We'll get out of here because it's gorgeous. Um, like no other place in the country. So uh, love to get you out and enjoy it. And then next weekend, come back. And it'll start Saturday morning, guys, as Stephen mentioned. And I'm just going to share like briefly a little nugget on Saturday morning for the guys. Guys, here, here's the nugget. At least what I'd like to just sort of wrestle through with you and, and, um, and sort of come to some sense of an agreement on Saturday morning at this little men's breakfast we're going to do. Um, what is your role? As a dad, as a man, what's your role um, specifically with regards to end times prophecy? What is your biblical mandate and role as a man, as a leader, as a husband, as a dad? Uh, and I just want to share that uh, and add my two cents to what God's been doing on Wednesday nights, because Wednesday nights, I mean, what a witness to this surrounding community to drive by on a Wednesday night at six and see an over full parking lot with a bunch of kids just having a blast, so much fun at church, and moms and dads, men and women, and youth in our youth ministry, and a college ministry that is just booming. I mean, just like it's blowing up. It's just awesome to watch and, to, and see fellowship and no masks and back and just loving on each other and, and the testimonies, I mean, uh, of, of what God's doing in the women's ministry and they blew out their room and they had to move back over here and the guys are just packed out in the theater and uh, it's absolutely incredible. Come out and join us Wednesday night and, and the testimonies. We had a guy named Chris. He, he's a professor of philosophy. And he's on our parking team. He's on our parking ministry team. Where else do you put a professor of philosophy <laughs> than in your parking lot? And he prays for every single car that pulls in this lot and understands the whole dilemma of an existentialistic approach to life that ultimately ends in meaninglessness apart from Jesus Christ. He shared his testimony. And the guys were riveted. It was absolutely amazing. And Pastor Steve Case shared last week, and Brad Dotson, who serves on our board, and Mitch, my son, and, and um, Ethan Hamilton, who's the athletic director down at Point Loma College, and, and my daughter, Annie, shared with the women last Wednesday night, and um, all of, of her issues of pertaining to fertility um, and, and is now pregnant, and, 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 and just all that's going on in our family. Tomorrow's a really busy day for me, by the way. Uh, and we can just edit the, from the tape if, if I'm getting myself in trouble. But um, I'm golfing tomorrow. I'll be golfing in the Teen Challenge Golf Tournament. Not that that gets me in trouble, because that's an incredible ministry. Um, and it's a scramble, so they don't have to use too many of my hacks. Um, but at the same time, my son's having a baby tomorrow. Um, unless she gives birth today, 
Uh, if not, they'll induce her tomorrow. And at the same time, my youngest son is wanting me to go to L.A. Why L.A.? I hate L.A. Well, there's a, a jewelry mart up there in a diamond district. I guess we're going and looking for a diamond. So I am multitasking tomorrow, very much so, with all that's happening in our lives. And yet in the midst of it, I want to just share these four important aspects of where true transforming life is concerned. And then pick it up next week with Father's Day and we'll have a gift for all the dads and, and it'll be a great. But here are the four things real fast. He will hear. What does that mean? What does it mean he will hear? He will forgive. He will heal. And specifically, he will heal their land. And so, Lord, we, we just pray. I mean, everybody's got stuff going on. And yet, if you could just grab a hold of our heart where these four aspects are concerned, Lord, it would be life-changing. It would be a life-changing reset, a much-needed reset that we truly desire even as we gather here together as family. I'm so grateful that we can. And we want to be your people. We want to be found in this moment, in this space, at this time in history to be known as your people. Call us to that, Lord. Call people to yourself that have never answered the call. Or would you call us to life? Would you call us to action? Would you call us to trust in you in these last days, Lord? Call us with a new calling to believe you for the transformation that you're desiring to bring. And we will give you all the praise and the glory for that. In Jesus' name. Come on, church. Say amen. 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 Look at chapter 6. Look at chapter 6. I'm just going to read this to you. And I'm going to read for a while because I don't want you to miss out on really what's going on. Because ultimately, when you get to verse 14 in chapter 7, the verse that we love and have built the whole series around, that verse is simply in response to Solomon's prayer. And here's his prayer in chapter 6. 2 Chronicles chapter 6. You got it? Say, got it? Come on, church. Look at verse 12. Look at verse 12 in that chapter. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel. So he's at church. You're at church. He's at church. He spread out his hands. Look at verse 13. For Solomon had made a bronze platform. He's got a stage. He's built a stage. I'm on a stage. He's on a stage. Ours is black. His was bronze five cubits long, five cubits wide, three cubits high, and he had set in the midst of it of the court, and he stood on it. So he's built a stage, he's standing on it, and then what happens? He knelt down on his knees. Okay, I'm doing that. I'm just doing that. He knelt down on the stage that he had built, on his knees, and spread out his hands toward heaven. Okay, here's his prayer. Look what he says. He says, Lord God of Israel, there is no God in heaven or on the earth like you. Come on, someone say amen to that. Isn't that true? Who keep your covenant. God of covenant. You're the God of Abraham. We just sang this. If you didn't like worship today, you must not like scripture. Because that's all we did is we took verses and, and, and put them to song. Like here Solomon is, is, is now 
is now singing this song. He is praying this prayer. He is saying, there is no God in heaven or on earth like you. You keep your covenant and your mercy with your servants who walk before you with all their hearts. You have kept what you promised. Huh? He's a God of promises. You've kept your promise. Your servant David, my dad. Happy Father's Day. My dad. You have both spoken with your mouth and fulfilled it with your hand as it is this day. Therefore, Lord God of Israel, keep what you have promised your servant David, my dad, saying, you shall not fail to have a man sit before me on the throne of Israel. Only if your sons take heed to their way and they walk in my law as you have walked before me. And now, O Lord God of Israel, let your word come true, which you spoke to your servant David but will God, now he asks a question. Have you ever like in the midst of your prayer time just been blown away and you're like, I got a question. Will, here's his question, will God indeed dwell with men on the earth? You would do that? You, you, you'd like us? You, you would like come and, 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 and be with us? It's such a, 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 a future pointing picture of the incarnation that Jesus is God with skin on him. He would come to be, to be with us. Will God indeed dwell with men on the earth? Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you. How much less is this temple that I have built? Yet, Regard the prayer of your servant and his supplication. So that's just intro. Here's his prayer. Oh, Lord, my God, listen to the cry and the prayer which your servant is praying before you, that your eyes may be open towards this temple day and night, toward the place that you said that you would put your name, that you may, what? That you may hear the prayer which your servant makes toward this place. Remember our four things? He will hear. There's the first one. That you may hear. Look what it says in verse 21. And may you hear. Hear us, Lord. Hear the supplications of your servant and your people, Israel. When they pray towards this place, hear from heaven, your dwelling place. When you hear, forgive. Do you see what 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 is? Do you see what this reset verse that we've built the whole series around? you see what it is? It is simply God's reply to Solomon's prayer. I don't know about you, but that challenges me in terms of this. What are we praying for? What are we asking for? What are we beseeching him for? Because here... God, in the most famous verse on faith and forgiveness and healing in all of the book cover to cover, is simply a response to a man's prayers. Let's be men and women of prayer. And here Solomon is saying, when we pray, would you please hear us? And when you hear, would you forgive us? Look at verse 22. If, if, remember 2 Chronicles 7, how's it start? If. My people, look at this, if, if anyone sins against his neighbor, he's forced to take an oath and he comes and he takes an oath before your altar in the temple, then, then hear, then, then hear, hear from heaven, 
Hear him, hear her from heaven and act and judge your servants, bringing retribution on the wicked and bringing on his way in his own head, justifying the righteous by giving him according to his righteousness. Or, or, he's like, he's not like just reciting some religious prayer. He's like, when this happens and that happens, it's very practical in his prayer. He's like, or, or, um, or, or if your people Israel are defeated before an enemy because they have sinned against you and they return and they confess your name. Like they totally strike out. They fail the class. They like have to like, they got to like come home, tail between their legs. Ah, that didn't work out. When they come back, they return, they confess your name, they pray, they make supplication before you in this temple. Then, Lord, then hear, hear, hear from heaven. Forgive the sin of your people. If my people humble themselves, pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked, then I will Hear, hear from heaven, forgive their sins. Bring them back into the land which you gave them and their fathers. And, 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 and when this happens, here's another scenario, verse 26 is another scenario. And, and when the heavens are shut up and there's no rain, like drought, like drought time California, like drought, like no other drought we've seen for all the western states of America. Yeah, okay, when there's a drought, because they've sinned against you, when they pray towards this place and confess your name and they turn from their sin because you afflicted them, then hear, hear their hearts, hear them, hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your servants, your people Israel, that you may teach them the good way in which they should walk and send rain. Look at that. Lord, send, he's praying. Are you praying? Send rain. We're in the middle of a drought. Like we're not meeting outside anymore, Lord. Let it rain. Send rain on your land, which you have given to your people as inheritance. And, and, and verse 28, another scenario. And, 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 and when there's famine in the land, look at this word, pestilence. So like a little plague going on? Anyone? COVID? Blight? Mildew? Locusts? Cicadas? Grasshoppers? Uh when the enemies besiege them in the land of their cities, whatever plague or whatever sickness there is, whatever prayer, whatever supplication is made by anyone, by your people Israel, each one knows his own burden and his own grief, and he spreads out his hands in his temple. Then, then hear, hear from heaven, hear us. Hear us, Lord, your dwelling place, and forgive and give to everyone according to all of his ways whose heart you know, for you alone know the hearts of the sons of men, that they may fear you and walk in your ways as long as they live in the land which you gave to their fathers. Moreover, concerning a foreigner, a foreigner who is not of your people, but has come from a far country for the sake of your great name, your mighty hand, your outstretched arm, when they come, like, I don't know, there's a border problem. There's a border, and, and foreigners, are, that when they come, then hear from heaven your dwelling place and do according. For all your foreigners call to you and people of the earth may know your name and fear you and do your people Israel and that they may know that this temple which I have built is called by your name. And when your people go out, when they go out, when they go out to battle against their enemies, like back to war, back to war, wherever you send them and when they pray toward this city and, and, and that you have chosen, this temple which I have built for you, then hear. 
Do you see the recurring theme over and over and over again? They hear, hear from heaven, hear their prayers, and, 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 and maintain their cause. And when they sin against you, verse 36, check it out, look at it, circle it with me, underline it. When they sin against you, important parentheses, for there is no one who does not sin. No one who does, we've all sinned, and we fall, fall, and fallen very short. We've fallen short of the glory of God. You become angry with them and deliver them to the enemy, that they take captive in the land. Yet when they come to themselves, look at this, when they come to themselves in the land where they were carried away captive and they repent, they make supplication to you in the land. This is such a picture of the prodigal son. Remember, he comes to his senses finally as he's feeding the hogs. When they come to their senses and they repent, and they say, we've sinned, we have done wrong, and we have committed wickedness. When they return to you with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their captivity, they're carried away captive and they pray towards this land which you gave their fathers, the city that you've chosen, this temple that I have built in your name. Hear them, hear them, Lord. Hear from heaven your dwelling place. Hear their prayer and their supplications and maintain their cause and forgive your people who have sinned against you. Now, my God, I pray, let your eyes be open and let your ears be attentive to the prayer made in this place. Arise, O Lord God, to your resting place, you and the ark and your strength and the priests of the Lord be clothed with salvation and let the saints rejoice in goodness. O Lord, do not turn away the face of your anointed. Remember the mercies of your servant David. Look into chapter 7, just three verses. Look what happens. He's done praying. Okay, that was quite a prayer. But this verse that we love, that the whole series is themed around, is a response to his prayer. So I wanted you to see his prayer. And look now what happens when he ends his prayer. When Solomon had finished praying, look at this verse. Chapter 7, verse 1. Fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord. Filled the temple and the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. Has that happened when you pray? This is Acts chapter 2. The fire, in fact, has fallen and filled us with the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Fire fell from heaven when he finished praying. Look at the response. Look at verse 3. And when the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord in the temple, they bowed their face. I bet they did, man. They got low to the ground on the pavement, it says. And they worshiped and they praised the Lord, saying, for he is good. Come on, say it with me. He is good. Is he good? He is good, and his mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, church. That is an awesome, awesome scene to which then the Lord would respond and answer by saying, if my people, I will, yes, they, I will hear. I will hear. The word hear that shows up throughout chapter 6 into chapter 7 and primarily is found there in chapter 14 is the word Shema. Everyone say it. Say it out loud. Shema. The Shema of Israel. Every Bible student would know it from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, hear, hear this, that the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Shema. It doesn't mean just to hear. You don't want him just to hear. It means to respond. To hear. 
and to attend. To hear and to heed. To hear and to agree. To hear and to grant. Shema, it's used 1,100 times in Scripture. Certainly you don't want him just to hear you. You want him to heed. You want him to attend. You want him to agree. You want him to come alongside. That is the picture of this word used over 1,000 times, over 1,100 times, over 1,130 times. Shema, I hear you and I attend as a God Uh, desiring to see our hearts aligned together as one. There's no race car driver that's going to win a single race unless he is in sync with his pit. And this is a prayer to a God that desires to see an alignment in unity between his heart and the heart of his people. How's that happen? Secondly, through forgiveness. He hears and he forgives. It's literally the Hebrew word selah. Shama, hear, selah, forgive. It is the preeminent nature and first principle that God wants to be known by. In fact, turn to Exodus with me real fast. Turn to Exodus chapter 34, okay? Exodus chapter 34 is the first time forgiveness ever shows up in Scripture. And when it shows up for the first time, it is giving to you a principle then to be established and follow through. It is woven page by page throughout the rest of Scripture. And here's how God wants to be known. Here's how he wants you to see him. The scene in Exodus chapter 34 where forgiveness is concerned is pertaining to Moses and the people and he's coming up onto Mount Sinai. He's coming up for the second time. The first one didn't go all that well. He had the tablets and he smashed them. Do you remember? Now he's coming up a second time. He's coming back up. Look at verse 4. Exodus 34 verse 4. And he cut two tablets of stone like the first ones. And Moses rose early in the morning. He went up to Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him. And he took in his hand two tablets of stone. And the Lord, look at this, look at this. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Three things. What did God do? What did he do? He descended. He piled up next to him in fellowship, in anyone? In relationship. He buddies right up next to Moses. And then, in coming down and buddying up next and aside, he what? Proclaims his own name. He proclaims the name of the Lord. Look at this, verse 6. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord. The Lord. God. Merciful. Gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions of sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. What? He comes down, he pals up in relationship next to Moses, and then of all of the things that he could say about himself, the first thing that comes out of his mouth about himself is what? I am merciful. I want you to know I'm a forgiving God. I hear you and I forgive you. Shema Selah. 
I forgive you. Look at long-suffering, gracious, abounding in goodness, keeping mercy to the thousands, forgiving iniquities, but by no means clearing the guilty. In other words, what does he mean? Don't mess with me is what he means. He means I'm merciful, but don't take my mercy for granted. Don't play around with my mercy. I have come down, I've come down for fellowship and relationship to buddy right up next to you and to proclaim that I am the Lord. And he could say a lot about himself at that moment, but what he says first out of the gate is that he wants us to know that he forgives. He is a merciful God. He is a gracious God. He's keeping mercy for thousands, you guys. We've got to be grateful for that this morning. In fact, Moses is. Look at his response. In verse 8, Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. The same heart that Solomon had in completing and dedicating the temple. He is on his knee with his hands raised. He's giving all glory to a God that is not just all-powerful, and he is all-powerful. He is not just all-knowing, and he's all-knowing. He's not just all-loving, and he's all-loving. He's all-hearing. He hears everything. He hears us when we call. He hears us when we cry. And he hears us to forgive us. And to heal. And to heal us. To heal, number three, to heal. And the word that he uses, what's the word? It's his name. Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. He hears. He forgives. And he heals. Even to the hardest most pessimistic, stubborn, North Countyite. Yeah, well, maybe that's me, Pastor Bob. Like, where is the healing, huh? Where's the healing? When is the healing places going to pot? Where are the results of this Rafa God that you keep pointing us to? This Rafa God of healing, of hearing, of forgiving desires to make you whole. And you are broken and incomplete and not yourself without him. He wants to cure you. He wants to mend you. He wants to heal you. He wants to forgive you. He wants relationship with you. So that you're Prayers aren't bouncing off the ceiling. He wants to darn you. Anyone know that term? Do you knit? Ladies, do you knit? There's a hole in the sweater and you pull out some. Guys, do you knit? are, Are you knitters in this woke world of ours? Got a hole in your, in your sweatshirt. The greatest part of this series is I haven't had to worry what I'm wearing to church for five weeks. It's been awesome. I don't know what I'm wearing next weekend. But if there's a hole in it, you pull out some yarn, you pull out some string, you pull out a needle, and you darn it. You mend it. it darn means to mend. So when I'm golfing tomorrow, and I use the word, what I mean is mend it. 
Mend the slice. The devil has twisted it into a curse word where God means to mend. God means to cure. God means to heal. God means to darn. You ought to use it this week in your house. Darn it. Mend it, Lord. Heal it. Because this healing now involves us getting involved with him in what he is desiring to mend, what he is desiring to cure, what he is desiring to darn. He wants to use us. He wants to use us amidst all of this temporal chaos for some eternal mending, some eternal healing, which incidentally, he's using Moses in partnership here in Exodus. He comes down, he pals up next to and proclaims his own name using a stuttering, murdering fool like Moses to set his people free, to heal his people, to mend his people, to cure his people. He could do it alone, and he uses you to reach North County. He uses me, what a muck, to lead a church like this. He uses Jonah, a reluctant of all prophets, to mend Nineveh. Show me another town that gets mended like Nineveh. I mean, revival breaks out, and the guy preaches the shortest sermon in the book, right? You know the story of Jonah. I mean, he's going the opposite direction. He's like sailing to Spain until God stops him in his tracks, gobbles him up by a whale. It says great fish. We call it a whale. Three days and three nights, it takes him to come to his senses. That's some stubbornness. God, God chose some stubborn dudes. He chose the stiff-necked, stubborn dudes, right? I mean, he chose them. Here's why. Because if he can save a Jew, he can save a you. <laughs> and finally, Jonah, just picture this. You're at Moonlight Beach. You got your towel out. You got your Tommy Bahama chair. You got your umbrella. And all of a sudden, there's the sound of this great belch. And this whale lifts his head over the swells and the set that are rolling in and barfs up this guy who walks up on the beach next to your whole spread and says, uh, Nineveh, this way? <laughs> you probably want to know what he had to say. And here's what he says. You have 40 days. And God uses the most reluctant of all stubborn reluctance to reach a town and heal it. He uses the Apostle Paul to heal Ephesus. He uses Esther. Ladies, Esther, the faith to lead the charge that transforms the people of God for such a woke time as this. Listen, it's not an issue of woke and not woke. It's an issue of truth. It is an issue of good versus evil. And we need women with the faith of Esther for such a woke time as this. Well, I don't know, but I'm really busy. I've got this going on. I've got that going on. The reason Esther steps up is because the men would not. And we got to have some guys that are through with their excuses. Their excuses, well, you know what, Bob? I am completely surrounded by a very pagan corporate culture. You know nothing about it. You live here at the church. Everything's perfect here. Really? 
because if we all just want to continue to bury our heads in the sand and live in the land of excuses, we will never be like Daniel, who in the midst of being surrounded by a pagan culture, saw the king saved. You will meet Nebuchadnezzar in heaven. You will meet the king of Nineveh in heaven because the people had a heart to be a part of the healing process and they remained really humble about it like Mary, who in the face of ridicule, I'm talking Mary, in the face of family scorn, obediently, humbly, continued to carry Jesus the Messiah. How about us? How about you? Where are your resources going? It's all going to burn anyway. What is being poured into the healing process, the forgiving process, the hearing process that God invites us to be a part of in this land in which we live? Number four is land. And land doesn't mean nation. Land here doesn't mean Israel. Land here doesn't mean America. Land here, the word, the word is erets. You know where that word first shows up? Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the erets. It means earth. It means he's hearing his people, desiring to forgive his people, desiring to heal his people, and the entire earth. All of the earth. Now, we'll miss out on that. We think it's a little too big for us. Not to mention the fact that we've been conditioned as Americans to read a verse like this as Americans and just think that everything is about us. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 is not about America. No, 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 everything's about us, Bob. It's all about us. It is not about us. It's about his people. It's about relationships. And it's about the whole earth. It's not about the states. The states aren't even mentioned in Scripture. Hello, Libya gets more press than we do in end times prophecy. Which is exactly why right now we are watching America shrink from the scene. And I love this land. I love this country. And for our entire lives, it has been the reigning superpower and friend of Israel that is changing today by the hour. We are watching our nation wither as a globalist G7 agenda secure center stage. I'll get mail. <laughs> Spare me from trying to convince me that we can consistently remain prideful and boastful and brash in our insults towards the God of the universe and expect him to stick around. Our pride parades, our pride months, our abortion statistics, our prayers that are so weak. Like some of you, like, that was, that was, wasn't that like the longest prayer you've ever heard in your life? Can we just like, thanks for the grub, amen? I mean, 
this sex ed curriculum that we are just yawning in approval and allowing to come in to our kindergarten kids and, 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 and San Diego district, you ought to be appalled at what is headed your way. We are not silently ignoring God. We are violently opposing God in this country. We are ridding him from the history books. We've removed him from the science as if evolution makes sense. And we are now believing that government control is the answer. We are unraveling at the seams. Oh, Bob, I think you've actually gone over and you seem rather wound up. Let me help you out. If we could just regain the White House. No. It is not the White House that is the issue. It is your house. If my people, not them, not those, not that. No, I think actually, Bob, if we could just regain control of Congress. It is not regaining control of Congress. It is answering who is in control of you. Who is in control of your heart? Our battle is not political. It's personal. He came down to dwell with us, to be born in us, to fill us with this fire. It is not a political issue. We are not here to heal society. We are here for souls. Our cause is not for the culture. The culture is cursed. The culture is corrupt. Love not the world or anything in the world. Be in it but not of it. Our cause is to set captives free, to see them saved by the name of Jesus and healed in a transforming way. Put it on the screens, what I just said, you guys. Our battle isn't political, it's personal. It's not for society, it's for souls. Our cause is not culture but captives, to see them set free and saved by the great I am, Jesus, in an all-healing, all-powerful, life-transforming way. No, Bob, I don't know. I don't actually know. Well, I don't know who said that. Tell me who said that. I'm going to email. I said it. <laughs> and if we think it's some type of a political thing, we'll continue to dodge and not be involved in exactly the healing of which the Lord lives to see experienced by the people that he forgives and the people that he hears when they cry and when they call. Here's the problem. You've got too many options this week. When it ought to be one and one thing only that you live for, and it's him and him alone the name of Jesus, that this series would not be over. It would just be the beginning of a great reset that is not in any way or any shape an American promise. And I'm believing the best for America. But it's not an American promise. It's a chosen promise. A chosen promise. There's a plug for the series you should be watching. chosen promise for his chosen people that we Gentiles 
by his grace get in on, we get in on this if we humble ourselves, if we pray, if we seek his face. Church, we can't be seeking his face if we've turned our backs on him. But if we turn from our wicked ways, then, then what? Then, then he will shema selah rafa eretz. Say it. Come on. Shema selah rafa eretz. You, you spoke Hebrew. <laughs> For his people, his chosen, he will hear and he will forgive and he will heal and make all things new in the entire earth is what the book of Revelation declares that from every nation it says in chapter 7 every nation every tribe every tongue Multitudes upon multitudes standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches crying out with a loud voice and saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb and the angels stood and the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped saying, Amen blessing, come on, and glory, come on, and wisdom, and thanksgiving, and honor, and power, and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Come on, church, let's all stand. Let's stand together. Let's stand. Let's just stand as if we are standing in his presence. Come on, put on your best Solomon. Let's raise our hands like he does. Let's just raise our hands. Lord, make us your people. I just pray you would just hear from heaven, Lord, that you would forgive us of our sins, of our pride, of our lackadaisical approach to this whole thing. No, Lord, hear us as we pray now. And forgive us and cleanse us and heal us. Lord, heal hearts. Save souls that are stretched out and surrender to you this morning. Would you save souls? Would you move in? Would you take over? Lord, Lord, hear us. Cure cancer. Cure Parkinson's. Cure brain tumors. Cure back injuries and, and, and knee injuries. And, and, and Lord, heal kids that are living in prodigal lands, bring them to their senses as we cry out, as we pray, as we ask, as we seek. Lord, you have every right. You could cut us off at the neck right now, and we wouldn't have an argument. That's what we deserve, but you are gracious and merciful and forgiving, and we want to be so in and deeper in love with living our lives for you and your glory, and so reset us heal us and transform us for your glory we pray in Jesus name and everyone said come on church give him praise